So the Beatitudes. Um, for those of you who are new to church or just joining us today, you're so welcome and trust you enjoy the service with us and really hope over the next nine weeks, potentially, that maybe you would even make a regular commitment to be here at church because you don't want to miss any of what we're going to be sharing. Um, just right up front, uh, the Beatitudes, most people believe that there were eight Beatitudes, blessed are those. Um, some scholars believe there were nine and the last one is split into two. So that's actually how we're going to do it. Uh, so maybe some of you are confused as why we're doing nine weeks as opposed to eight. And this, as Cole said up front, it's one of the most famous sermons that Jesus ever preached. You'll find it in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you can go read through that whole sermon on the hillside, or some call it the Sermon on the Mount. And the Beatitudes basically is the preamble, it's the beginning, it's the upfront section of the sermon, which is really, really important. And uh, he begins with nine truths, Nine counter counter uh, sorry, non-counter cultural. Sorry, I'm getting at cultural things. Um, they, they're challenging. Uh, they're around values, and we're going to be looking at all nine of those. And we're actually going to do a study into all nine, and hopefully, you're going to understand a little bit more about what it means when it says, "Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness." I don't know about you, but sometimes I've heard these beatitudes, and I haven't really quite grasp what they actually mean. Maybe you've heard them before. So we're going to look into all of these. And all I know is right now, when you look at the condition of humanity, um, you see a lot of evil. You see a lot of hate in the world. You see people that are just insecure, that are miserable. I mean, you just look at the news. Um, America right now is in some serious trouble. I mean, they've got so many issues, not just America, but all around the world. And the thing is, people in general look to government or we look to laws to help change the situation. But in fact, we actually need revival. We need God to do something in our hearts. And it first starts in our hearts. It starts here in our church. And really hope that because of that, there's an outworking of Christians really understanding what these values are about, the, the values that Jesus taught us to help bring a change, to help bring a shift into the world. We need revival, and it first needs to start with us. So obviously, right up front, we're going to quickly read the, the, the passage that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of months, and it's found in Matthew 5 from verse 1. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up, or you can obviously look up at the screen, but they'll be there. So it says here, now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down, partly because just his voice could be audible from there. They didn't have microphones in those days. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. That's, those are the two that people often join together, but we're going to teach them in two separate Sundays. Blessed are those uh, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me because of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
Okay, so that kind of just shows where we're going. So that is the passage that we're going to take nine weeks to unpack. Isn't that exciting? Some of you are saying, oh my gosh, how are you going to have nine weeks of messages out of that? It's, it really, really is incredible. And I'm hoping, and really, could you make every effort to be at church for the next nine weeks? I know some of you go away, but if you go away, catch it up online. I mean, we will continue the online service. But I'm really hoping, and it's got nothing to do with me or whoever's communicating, but I'm really hoping that the Holy Spirit would truly, truly work deeply in your hearts over the next nine weeks. And I want you to open up your heart to God so that He, he can truly change you from within. Is that okay? Can we just pray that prayer right now? God, would you work deeply in our hearts as we open up our lives to you, as we hear the word for the next nine weeks on the Beatitudes, I pray that you would change us from within. I pray that you would speak life in these words today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus came not just to teach us, but to live it out. And even atheists think that Jesus was a great man. Did you know that? Many atheists believe in a Jesus, the prophet, and that he was an incredible man because of the way that he lived his life. So much so that people made bracelets. What would Jesus do because of the way that he lived his life? And I always say many times people ask the question, what would Jesus do even as Christians? And we actually don't know what he would do in a situation. So we end up doing what we would do and we make the wrong choices. We need to know and get into the teaching of Jesus so we know that what he would do in those situations. Are you with me? So let's trust God to transform us over the next nine weeks with more grace, more kindness, more goodness as we look at these counter-cultural principles. Okay, the first thing to notice right up front, is these statements reveal where true happiness can be found. So let's just start with the word blessed. And it's actually quite difficult to translate in the Greek. The Greek word for blessed is uh, makarios, which basically means um, well-off or fortunate, blessed or happy. But as we know that happy comes from happenings, so something has happened in your life and then you are happy. For example, yesterday the Springboks won the game and we were all happy, okay? Some of you got a little too happy after the game, maybe, I don't know. But if they lost, we would have been sad because of what happened. Does that make sense? And often happiness is, is because of temporary circumstance or situation. Something happens. But as Christians, our joy doesn't go with circumstances. It's not like that with the people of God. But we have an internal joy regardless of what happens. It's a joy that the world cannot give us. It's not circumstantial like happiness. And this is more the word that Jesus is referring to when he says, blessed are those. And we find Blessing in the most unlikely places. And actually, this teaching is an invitation. It's these statements reveal where true happiness can actually be found. And they're very different. I mean, I'm sure as we read through some of those, what do you mean blessed are those who are meek or those who are mourned? Are you saying we need to be happy to be sad? What does it mean? But they're an invitation and they reveal where true happiness can be found. I, I, I discovered this footnote yesterday on 
this line, blessed, and listen to this, says the Aramaic word uh, tewehim means enriched, happy, fortunate, delighted, blissful, content, blessed. Our English word blessed can indeed fit here, but tewuhin implies more. It's, it's great happiness, prosperity, abundance, goodness, and delight. The word bliss captures all of this meaning. Tewehim, or Tewum, I don't know exactly how you pronounce it, means to have the capacity to enjoy union and communion with God. So it's so much more when it's, because unfortunately when it comes to our English language, we're quite limited and, and we often say words and don't understand, you know, the, the true meaning. It's like when someone sneezes, we say, bless you, Okay. But there's so much more with the intentional meaning and, and why Jesus said this. It's, it's basically, also, by the way, I was preparing this whole uh, sermon series. I don't know if you found this too, Cole, but I actually didn't even know what beatitude exactly means because they've subjected this in the Bible for us, the beatitudes. But the beatitude or beatitude basically means supreme blessedness or exalted happiness. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Okay, so that's the first thing to notice, what blessing really means, or blessed. The second thing to notice is note how these statements end with for theirs or for they. So the statements show the potential of what can be ours when we get these things into our heart. So we can be blissful and delighted when it leads us to something. It, it, it shows the potential for something. Are you with me? It's, I suppose, one of the reasons why we changed the name of our church. Like, I mean, open skies. You know, if you ask most Christians why Jesus came to this earth, most people would say, well, he came to die for my sins. And although that's true, he didn't just come to die and to forgive your sins, but he came to heal your heart. He came to restore your marriage. He came to rescue your soul, to give you a new identity, to give you purpose. It's the blessings of the window of heaven, the openness of heaven, the open skies. There's so much more to Christianity than just Jesus coming and dying for our sins. Blessed are those, for they will. There's so much more that Jesus wants us to experience. And too many Christians are just going to heaven but don't realize what they're missing this side of eternity. Shall I say that again? Too many Christians are going to heaven but don't realize what they're missing this side of eternity. For theirs or for they. What, what are we actually missing then? And today we obviously are starting off the series, so we can look at the first one, which is, we, we're not going to go in an in exact uh, kind of order, because just the way that it works with, you know, trying to shuffle everybody around and get all the messages right, we, we try to keep a, a basic order with the, the actual scripture, um, but for the first couple of weeks at least, we're going to start with them in order. So the first one we're looking at, obviously, is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so let's just unpack this a little bit because I really want you to understand this, okay? So the spirit there is, I mean, referring, well, pneuma is the, the original word, but which can mean the spirit of God, but this is referring to the, the, the condition of the human soul, the spirit of, of, of us, our lives, okay? Um, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, poor can mean two things. One is it, it, it means the, the obvious one is that you don't have enough. You're a, a beggar or a pauper, and the reference is more with to do with money, okay? But this is not really the word that Jesus is alluding to here. 
okay? This is more on the other side of it, which means you have nothing at all. You, you're completely destitute, in distress. That's what he's actually referring to. Basically, like, I'm totally bankrupt before God. Now, some of you say, well, what does that actually mean? I'm going to help you understand this today. So basically, he's saying, happy are the people that are completely destitute. And not just practically. Again, I read some footnotes on this and it was fascinating. Um, so humble, some refer to humble in spirit or some poor in spirit, which means to be humble and totally dependent upon God for everything. It can be translated, delighted are those who have surrendered completely to God and trust only in Him. So basically, without you, God, I am nothing. I am destitute. When we think of the word destitute or distress, we think of it just practically, someone who is absolutely nothing. But this is referring to the condition of our soul. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Chris Hodges, who um, pastors a church in America, um, basically uh, the inspiration behind this whole series, he, he writes this. He says, blessed is the person who realizes they are completely destitute, utterly helpless, one who realizes their absolute need for God. And I know that's quite a scary statement because generally in life we want to be in control of everything. And this is counter-cultural. It's helpful to look at this passage, the, the, the first, uh, with verse three, and just quickly, four other translations, because it really does help. Because the one that we're most familiar with is blessed are the poor in spirit, for their, uh, you know. But listen to it here in the New Living. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. I like that. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In, in God's word translation, translation says this, blessed are those who recognize their spirit, they are spiritually helpless. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. In the NCV version, it says, those people who know they have great spiritual needs are happy because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And then in the TPT, it says this, uh, sorry, my words just moved. What happiness comes to you when you feel your when you feel your spiritually your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. When you have spiritual poverty, are you with me now? Now you're starting to understand and see where we're going. But here's the problem: most people, and particularly people in our area, the Upper Highway area. We don't realize how poor we actually are. Because many of us in this area have our practical needs met, or a lot of us do, but we don't realize how poor we actually are. You see, when you have a lot, it's hard to recognize when you don't have a lot. Because we've got op options. And in many ways, we would say we're blessed. Do you know that 99% of the world would trade places with you on your worst day? We live a blessed life. We have abundance. But in many ways, we're we self-satisfied because we make a plan. We're we we resourced. We have options. But we will never depend on something 
we don't think we need. I hear a few little mm or ours. <laughs> we will never depend on something we don't think we need. And that's why Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because we're okay. We're all good. We don't need God. So what does it look like to be poor in spirit? You see, because you can't get this on your own. It's not something that you can work towards, something you can resource yourself. And sometimes I think that we think we actually can. If I cast your minds back to the looting week last year, in the middle of the year, do you remember that week? I think many of us don't like to go back there because in many ways we feel traumatized, I suppose. It was hectic. Do you remember that? Do you remember when we called a prayer meeting? Do you remember, for those of you who joined us on Zoom? It was the biggest prayer meeting we've ever had. We had over 300 people join on a live. We had to start a separate live stream. Why were we there? Because we realized we needed something. We realized that we were messed without God. Now you're starting to understand, and I'm hinting at the place we need to be in to really experience the blessing of God. And sometimes God allows us to go through things like that. It was hectic. We've had a a rough couple years. But in many ways, people have found the blessing of God because it's not circumstantial. That's why if you go on a mission or you go into any poor area, I mean, there's nothing there. There's dusty roads. I always refer back to the mission. I went with Scotty up to Lesotho and you see these little kids, you know, on the streets with torn clothes and kicking around a a piece of paper that's in the shape of a ball. And they're asking for sweets and asking just to say hi. Do you know what always amazes me is they have a smile on their face. And in fact, they're probably happier than you are. They're the ones that are actually blessed. But why is it like that? Because they have nothing. You see, we've got to be lost before we can be found. We've got to be drowning before we can be saved. And in actual fact, when a lifeguard saves someone, they actually tell the person to calm down to stop kicking and screaming. And sometimes I've heard of a lifeguard actually just punching the person and knocking them out, like literally, because you just need to calm right down. You're trying to save yourself, but let me do the work. Let me help you. And in many ways, that's what we need when it comes to our spiritual lives. We're trying to make it happen on our own, but we need to actually just know that we will drown if God doesn't come and help us. You don't have as much as you think you have. And you need to realize today the things you need come from the one who has it. The last book of the Bible, uh, John wrote it, and it's the end times, and we don't have a time to go into that as a study, but the first three chapters, go read it for yourself. Jesus appears on a glorified body, and he gives seven messages to the church. Um, And this is one of them here in Revelation 3. It says, I know your deeds... This is quite a famous, well-known scripture that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. There's reference to, you know, kind of like a food. You know, when you eat something that's like 
lukewarm, it's not nice. You either got to eat something cold, you know what I'm saying? Or you've got to heat it up and eat it while it's hot. Thank God for microwaves. You know what I'm saying? How amazing are those things that we can just like heat up a, a slice of pizza or something, you know? How many of you guys like to just take a cold slice of pizza out the fridge and eat it for breakfast? Okay, we need to pray for you guys after the service. No I'm kidding. But I like... I like heating my food up. I mean, Jin laughs at me. I literally heat up the bits of chicken for our two little Yorkies in the microwave. She thinks it's just ridiculous. I really do. I'm like, shame. They can't have cold chicken. <laughs> Sorry, I, I do. And, and basically what he's saying is, I wish you were either one or the other. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. How's that for some encouraging words at church this morning? But that's the truth without God. And he's like, I can't stand that. Make a choice. You're either hot or you're cold. Be one or the other. I want to give you four things today, four things you don't have that you might think you have, and then basically how God provides these things for us, okay? So there are some answers, but sometimes we, we think we're good. We, we, we don't need these, and the first is this. Without Jesus, you pay for your own sins. You see, it's not just the forgiveness of sins that forgives you. Like, oh God, I'm so sorry, just forgive me. And, and it's all is good. You gotta understand that someone had to pay for those sins. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6, a few uh, pages later, it says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone had to pay. So without Jesus, you pay for your own sins. You pay for your bad choices. That's why many people live this world with guilt and shame. Because they don't know Jesus. Someone had to pay. And because of Jesus, we have the free gift of salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. You know, many people believe that God sends people that he's mad at to hell. No, no. Hell's a place where people pay for their own sins because they didn't accept Jesus. Check what Ephesians 2 says. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, mercy is not getting what we deserve, basically. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, and it's by grace, grace is getting something we didn't deserve, it's by grace that we have been saved. It's only because of Jesus. You see, you incurred a debt that had to be paid, and Jesus stepped in, and paid the bill. Isn't it amazing? I don't know if you've been out for a fancy dinner before and you expecting to pay, but then someone just says, no, I've got it. And you have that argument for a little while, do you know? 
But sometimes it really is nice when just someone has a re- have you done this before as well? Like you go get the bull because you want to pay and you go there. We've had that, we've got some really kind friends sometimes who go get the bull and, the, and they've already paid. It's like there's no argument, it's done. Isn't it amazing though? That's like, no man, like you, you shouldn't have done that. But you have to also learn to receive the blessing, to receive the gift. But that's what Jesus did for us. He's already paid it. We should have paid for it, but he paid it for us. Uh, whenever I am preaching or preparing a preach, often like on the Saturday night, I'll go over my notes so it's fresh in my mind and then I'll wake up early, go over my notes. But sometimes in the night I wake up and like statements or things that I've written down will just like ring over. Like I, not that I don't sleep well, but like I often just, sometimes God will even w- wake me up for things. And the strangest thing at about, I think it was about 3 a.m., like, I have a picture of this letter spinner. Like, oh my God, what are you talking about? He says, no, I just want you to tell them about this. So I'm like, okay. I mean, for those of you who aren't married, do you even know what this thing is, guys? Okay, so you basically put, you, you, you put some lettuce under the water, okay, and then you put it in here, and it's quite amazing. You spin it around, and all the water flies off the lettuce, but all the impurities, all the, the dirty stuff that is on the lettuce because it's come from a farm kind of spins off, and then the lettuce comes out crispy and clean. I love like crunchy lettuce. You know, when people, when, when I ask for lettuce on a burger or something or whatever, I like the, is it, is it called iceberg lettuce? Yeah, the light green one. When people bring me leaves, I'm like, hey, I'm not a rabbit. Like, I like crunchy, crispy lettuce, the one that crunches in your mouth. But that's maybe for someone here today. That's what Jesus does to our life when he paid for our sins. He takes us as we are. He puts us, and sometimes it's, it's a little bit of spinning around, a bit of countercultural stuff that we've been speaking about. Sometimes our lives get thrown upside down. He spins us a little bit, but we come out crispy and clean. Isn't it amazing? He just washes us clean. It's incredible. So that's the first, is without Jesus, I pay for my own sins. The second is, without Jesus, I can only cope through my pain and my personhood. See, many times in life, we just put plasters on our wounds. And plasters are okay for a season, but not forever. I remember when I was a kid, I loved putting plasters on. Remember, Mom? Just, just plasters for everything. I actually, there's a photo of me, I wish I could find it, jumping on a trampoline with a bandage around my knee. I don't know, it just felt like it would make things better. But to get a little bit more serious, I think for many of us, we're tired of plasters and bandages on our wounds. And we've got these issues that just don't seem to go away. It's like an infectious wound. We, we deal with so much bitterness and hate and anger and there's a cycle of being stuff in our family and, and, and you, you say, I can't help it. It's just who I am and, and I don't know how to get rid of it. And, and you ask us to pray for you and you know, I don't know why I've got these issues. But I wanna tell you today that God's here to heal you today, to bring healing to your soul. It says he binds up the brokenhearted. And the, the message the world sends us is this. In Jeremiah 6, 14, it says, they offer superficial treatments for people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. I'm here to tell you today that with God, you won't just cope. You're gonna get through these things and God will heal you of these things. That's who you are. With Jesus. Without Jesus, we will always be bandaging up our wounds. 
If I look at my own life, like if I think about it, like in some ways I would have been a little insecure or even shy or nervous with things. I mean, I, I've told you this before, but I, I would battle to speak in front of people. I literally failed my speech and drama poem because I got up there, I went to open my mouth, and nothing came out. It was the most horrific thing because the whole grade was sitting there in the Hilton College Theater, and I went, and then all my mates started sniggering at the back. Guys like Jav Morris would have laughed at me at the back. <laughs> He's just tucking his head down. True. Like, I tried again, and nothing came out my mouth. I, I, I totally forgot the poem. I didn't know what to say. And the teacher's like saying, just relax, Hilton. Just relax, just relax. And eventually, like, I started to remember some of the poem, but it came out, but it was horrific. But look what the Lord has done. <laughs> I mean, I'm in no way saying that, like, you know, I'm the best communicator in the world, but I'm not nervous anymore. I've been healed. Because of Jesus, I have the power to be healed and transformed. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we uh, might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Isn't that amazing? That the condition of your soul can be healthy. It can be healed. And I really even feel strongly, strongly right now that some of you are going to be healed today. Some of you that are tired of like having that plaster put over a wound, hoping that when you peel it off one day, it's going to be healed. I really believe that God will transform and renew some of your lives here today. Some of you who have panic attacks, some of you who struggle with anxiety or fears or worries, or some of you battled sleep at night, some of you are just stressed out, some of you don't have peace. I know there's some of you in the room today. But it's okay, because blessed are the poor in spirit. Today, you need to recognize your need for God, that he is the one that will bring healing to your soul. And I really believe today, and we're going to pray at the end, that God will bring some healing to you. Is that okay? People say, hang in there. It's going to be okay. And you're like, you're tired of that. You're just trusting God for healing. And I believe God can heal you today. You don't have to stay the way that you are. Because Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, because of the Spirit of God in our life, there is love, there is joy, there is peace, there is patience, there is kindness, there is goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the truth of the matter is that you'll only get these things when you realize that you don't have them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for you'll get the kingdom of God. Two more. Are you ready? Then we're going to come to a close. Without Jesus, I'm trying to find or create my own life. You know, I get a lot of people, especially young people, ask me, we've got a lot of young people in this church, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And even got kids getting to that age. Like, what am I supposed to do next year? What's my purpose? The amazing thing is that God sets eternity into the heart of every believer that we have something else to live for. 
and he gives us a sense of purpose. But here's the, 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 the trick, though, unfortunately. And he isn't there just to trick us out. But with, he, he puts purpose in our hearts, but without us able to find it, but rather be drawn to him, and then that's when we discover it. Because everyone's searching for purpose in this life, but we'll never find it until we actually discover God. And that's why the famous scripture that we always quote, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans. He knows the plans, you don't. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. With Jesus, we find purpose. He knows the plans. And you're not just an accident. You're not on this evolution journey. I remember studying, well, they taught us evolution. I'm like, I just never understood that, you know? Like, how can we go from a, a blob of cells to a fish, and then we grew a tail, and I, I just don't kind of understand. Then we turned into, like, animals, and then we crossed, you know, uh, lines, and all of a sudden that we're humans. It doesn't make sense. You're not an accident. God created you. God designed you. He knows the plans. And because of Jesus, we have the ability to know who we are and what life is all about. Isn't that amazing? He's the one that deposits purpose in us. And this is the kingdom of God. Uh, Paul, uh, when he was in Athens, Greece, and he was encouraging, <laughs> there were these people that were worshiping an unknown God. I mean, it makes no sense. But in many ways, that's how this world lives. We actually don't know like, why we're here and what we're doing and what's the purpose in our hearts. And, and he's like reaching out to them. And he says, in Acts 17, he says, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. That's why he, he placed that in us, that hunger for meaning and purpose, that emptiness, because we can only find it in him when we come to him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. It's only in him. And God picked us. God picked you to be here today, right now, to understand what he's trying to tell you. And you'll never truly live if you're just trying to figure it out on your own. You ready for the last one? Without Jesus... I'm living my life for joys that fade away. We all have happenings, experiences that give us temporary happiness and sadness. The thing is, we're on this roller coaster then, aren't we? We're going up and down and up and down. And unfortunately, the more downs we experience, the more depressed the world becomes. And if you do a little bit of a study around depression, there is a word called uh, anhedonia. I don't know if any of you have heard of this in depression. Anhedonia. I see some people nodding. But listen to this. It's a symptom of depression. It's when the things that used to bring you pleasure don't anymore. When the things that used to bring you pleasure don't anymore. Have you ever felt like you lost your joy? It's like, I, I can't. I don't experience happiness anymore because I used to enjoy that, but I don't anymore. Whether it's meeting up with friend or family or going down to the beach or you know, having somebody 
something nice to eat or you just feel like doing nothing because you feel like you've lost your joy. And I know there's many people in the room that have been there before. The things that used to bring you pleasure don't anymore. But you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. Look at what 1 Peter 1.3 says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Isn't that incredible? He, he can give us new birth. Without Jesus, we're living for temporary joys that fade away. But He will give us something that is lasting and will never fade. And the beauty about experiencing an everlasting joy, blessed are the poor in spirit, is that it doesn't just become about us anymore. It becomes about other people experiencing the joys that we have. I suppose that's why I do what I do. I want other people to experience the joy that God has given me. And when we start to impact the lives of others, it's amazing how things shift. And I've found that the happiest people on the planet are those that are impacting other people. And that's where God wants to take you. And without it, we're poor, in fact. We'll live from temporary joys if they do satisfy temporarily. And that is, you know, from holidays to, you know, eating right, getting fit for food, you know, for fun. And those things are all good. But it's not where we find true joy and true fulfillment. It's so countercultural, because many people that have money can pay for those things. But in fact, they're still destitute. They are totally nothing without God. And that's what God wants us to get to today, that we are nothing without Him. And because of Jesus, I can have the joy of living a life that glorifies God and impacting others. Last scripture, John 15 says this, this is to my Father's glory that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My joy may be in you and your joy can be complete. And the way it's made complete is when we start to impact other people around us. So as we close off talk one of a nine-week series, I really hope that you have got to understand a little bit more about what it means to be blessed and to be poor in spirit. But the big idea behind this first beatitude is simply this. The happiest people in the world are people that say, Jesus, I desperately need you. Should we say that to him today? Let's take a moment to pray. I'm going to pray two prayers. The first is this. For anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus, and you've heard this today, you've worshipped with us today, and you're like, man, there's, some, there's something here. I don't know Jesus at all. And you saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm going to pray a prayer for you today, and we're all going to pray together. And then I'm going to pray my second prayer. 
But if anyone would like to pray a prayer that asks Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you from your sins, but also that you would truly live and experience the joy of God in your life this side of eternity. I want to pray that prayer with you. Is anyone in this place like to pray that prayer? You can just pop up your hand quickly. Thank you. It's amazing. Anyone else? I don't know if there's anyone at the top there. Does anyone else wants to pray that prayer? We've had one person raise up their hand. Can we pray this all together? And if you want to pray, didn't lift your hand. You just whisper it in your heart today. Dear Jesus, from today, I commit my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Lord, I'm sorry for my past. And I ask you to forgive me. Come and live in my heart by your spirit. Change me and make me into the person that you want me to be. And from today, Lord, I want to experience your joy and live for you. In Jesus' name. And then my second prayer is for anyone here today. Remember I said we would pray for you. If you really resonated today with that whole thing about losing your joy and you just don't have peace in your heart right now, you're anxious, you're fearful, you're worrying, you feel like you're just at the end. And I don't say this to be humorous, but that's actually a good place to be. Because you are recognizing right now today that you are utterly helpless without God. And I know it hasn't been a nice place to be. But God is going to turn your situation around. I really believe that. God's going to bring healing to you today. I truly believe it. If you're lying awake at night, you can't sleep, you're trying all sorts of pills, you're feeling like you can't cope, the truth of it is you can't. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. We're utterly helpless without God. And today you're going to ask God to come and be part of your life and part of your situation in a way that you haven't done before. You're going to fully surrender. You do feel like your soul, your mind, you do feel destitute today. You feel so distressed. But God says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are those. It's a joy that will be everlasting. And I'm going to pray a prayer for you today. And if you're in that place today, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to stand and lift up your hands because we're going to pray that God is going to come and bring joy into your heart today. Come on, you can stand today. Just stand in this place today if you feel like you need that prayer today more than ever before. Thank you. There's people all over standing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, something's just broken today as you've even stood up. If you feel you still need to stand, but you're too embarrassed to, this is where you recognize your need for God today. It's like, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to give you a moment to stand. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's people standing all over the place. I want you to lift your hands today. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of giving up. They do it in, in wars where you, or someone's you know, coming to attack you. You lift your hands. It's a sign of surrender. Saying, 
please help. So God, I pray for every person that is standing today with arms raised. I pray right now by the power of your spirit that you would come and bring healing to their broken hearts, God. Bring healing to their their broken minds, God. Bring healing to their souls that are in distress. Lord, I'm really trusting you, God, to do a miracle right now in the mighty name of Jesus in every single person today. Even if you're watching online right now, you're watching this later, you can pray this prayer too. Maybe just whisper in your heart, say, Jesus, come and fill me with a joy today. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And God, today, as they've recognized their need for God, that we desperately need you. And Lord, for even other people maybe who haven't identified with the specific prayer, I know all of us in this room today, we can all say that prayer, Lord, I desperately need you. Lord, give me perspective today. As so often I've tried to find temporary fulfillment in so many things that never truly satisfy. But God, thank you that you would come and be everything I need. Thank you that you would deposit purpose in people's lives today. Would you deposit your peace? Place hope in people's hearts today, I pray. Jesus, I'm really trusting you for that. Just begin to receive today, church. Just begin to receive. As your arms are raised, just receive. Spirit of God, come and just bring new life, as your word says. Bring new life. That's why the Bible says that we need to be reborn in him. He brings new life. He will refresh your soul today. Lord God, just move across this place today and touch people's souls. Thank you that people that have had wounds, that have been deep, hurtful for many, many years, come and bring healing today in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that from today that they would be totally different, God. They would look back in the weeks ahead and just see the miracles. Lord, would you come and do that? Bring joy. Just receive his joy today. You see, joy is regardless of what has happened. Forget about what has happened right now and just receive joy into your heart. Come on, start to smile from within. Maybe even put a smile on your face. Maybe you haven't felt like smiling in years because I've got nothing to smile about. Put a smile on your face even right now and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for joy. Thank you, Jesus, for joy. Come on, begin to declare it. Say, thank you, Jesus. Even it's a prayer of faith. I might not see it, but I declare it. Thank you, Jesus, for joy in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. been reminded of that old song. Do you remember I got the joy, 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 joy down on my heart? And it says it's here to stay. I'm not going to sing it, but I really believe that for your life. It's here to stay. Do you receive it? Come on, let's just give God some praise today for what he's doing. If